Well, welcome to another edition of Intentional Conversations. Intentional Conversations, we seek to interview leaders in men's ministry to help men grow spiritually and help leaders and pastors reach men in today's culture. Discussing issues men face every day. It is a program where men's ministry leader interviews leaders in men's ministry. Hey guys, it's Mike Sound, and I appreciate you joining us today. I don't have an interview to do for you in this particular episode, but I want to share uh, some thoughts from the scripture reading and some input that I have gathered out of reading this scripture and some of the message that is. I think it's pretty important for us to continue to remember uh, what we need to do as we uh, continue to grow in Christ. So today, I want to ask you, are you still burning with a passion to serve our Lord and Savior as you grow in Christ? And if not, why? I want to read a, a text from you. It comes from Leviticus chapter 6. And in chapter 6, verse 9, if you, it says this, Command Aaron and his sons. This is the law of the burnt offering. The burnt offering itself must remain on the altar's heart all night until morning. And while the fire is of the altar is kept burning on it, and then in verse 12, it tells us this in Leviticus 6. It says, the fire on the altar is to be kept burning. It must not go out. And I want you to remember that, that it talks about that. It must not go out. And then it continues and says in verse 12, every morning the priest will burn wood on the fire. He is to arrange the burnt offerings on the fire and burn the fat portions from the fellowship offerings on it. Verse 13 says of chapter 6, fire must be kept burning on the altar continually. It must not go out. You know, I have a fire pit and located in, on my patio behind my house. And, and I'm sure many of you may have uh, fire pits located somewhere in your yard. And in the cool of the year, you may like to gather around that pit with the fire going, taking a break from all the hustle and bustle of life. Maybe spending time roasting marshmallows or making some mores. I know my grandkids are always asking me to start the fire in the pit so they could do just that. Even when it is 90 degrees outside, when we start those fires, we don't think much about them afterwards unless the fire starts to die down. Then we stroke, stoke it or put some more logs on the fire and keep it going. Our attitude towards that fire is reminiscent of how we tend to treat our relationship with God sometimes. The only time it gets attention is when it is needed. Often the only time God gets any attention is when we are in trouble dealing with issues that cause us stress and we don't really know what to do. We either forget or neglect, and I will let you choose which it is for you. Keeping the fire burning in regard to our relationship with God. We need to be about making sure we keep the fire burning within ourselves as we go about our daily lives. And if we approach this biblically, then we will not need to be concerned with the fire dying to the point of just embers and you feel as if you're just hanging on. Some time ago, I led a study in Leviticus with a group. And during my personal study to prepare the lessons, I was drawn to these verses. Though I have read them many times before, these verses we read that the Lord told Moses, the fire on the altar is to be kept burning. It must not go out. 
I know that many struggle with understanding the sacrificial system that God introduced to the nation of Israel, especially here in Leviticus, as it provides instructions to the Israelites about the various sacrifices God required. The burnt offering, the grain offering, the fellowship offering, and sometimes known as the peace offering, the sin offering, and the guilt offering. But if you've been a student of the Bible for any time, then you know these offerings actually point us to the New Testament gospel and the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross. There is so much rich information here that we do not have time to completely unpack it on this episode. But I want us to understand this thing about the fire on the altar and why it is so important to us and why God was instructing the priest to not let this fire go out. That the fire must be kept burning continuously. Men, it is important for you to keep that fire burning as a leader of your home. We know that chapter 9, verse 24, Leviticus, that God initially started to fire, for we are told the fire came from the Lord. The fire represented God's continual presence in the sacrificial system. It showed the people that only by God's gracious favor could their sacrifices be acceptable. The Bible in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 29, describes God as a consuming fire. So it is not surprising that fire often appears as a symbol of God's presence. Remember the burning bush in Exodus 3, the bush that Moses saw burning on the mound? And when he went to check it out, he had an encounter with God and received his calling to minister to the Israelites enslaved in Egypt. Today, God's fire is present in each believer's life in the form of the Holy Spirit. He lights the fire within our lives when the Holy Spirit comes to live within us as we accept him as our Lord and Savior, and he tends it so that we will grow in grace as we walk with him. When we are aware that God lives in us, we have confidence to come to him for forgiveness and restoration when we stray, and we are able to carry out our work with strength and enthusiasm. We would do well to take notice of the teaching of this text, which has special references to the fire. Three times in this, in this chapter, in Leviticus 6, this instruction is repeated. Verse 9, the fire on the altar is to be kept burning. Verse 12, the fire on the altar is to be kept burning. It must not go out. Verse 13, fire must be kept burning on the altar continually. It must not go out. With each announcement, God is more emphatic that the fire must keep burning. When we come to Christ, we are engulfed by this divine gift, the inextinguishable fire of the Holy Spirit. At the very beginning of the New Testament, the Holy Spirit is associated with fire. In Matthew 3, verse 11, John the Baptist said that Jesus will be the one to baptize with the Holy Spirit and with fire. When the Holy Spirit began his ministry of indwelling the early church, we read in Acts 2, he chose to appear as tongues of fire resting on each of the believers. At that moment, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. Fire is a wonderful picture of the work of the Holy Spirit within our lives. He brings God's presence into our lives. The Holy Spirit is the presence of God as he indwells the heart of the believer in Romans 9. Excuse me, Romans 8, chapter 8, verse 9 tells us the Spirit of God lives in you. If anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. 
Yeah, and two, he brings God's passion. The Holy Spirit creates the passion of God in our hearts. In Luke chapter 24, we read about the two disciples that were walking on the road to Emmaus after the resurrection when Jesus approached them. Jesus spent the day with them, explaining the scriptures to them about himself. And when Jesus was gone, the two disciples stated in verse 32, weren't our hearts burning within us while he was talking with us? When the disciples received the Holy Spirit at Pentecost, they had a passion that lasted a lifetime and compelled them to speak the word of God boldly. And then three, he brings God's purity. The Holy Spirit produces the purity of God in our lives. God's purpose is to purify us. We see that in Titus chapter two. And the Spirit is the agent of our sanctification. And we read that throughout the New Testament. As the silversmith uses fire to purge the dross from the precious metal, so God uses the Spirit to remove our sin from us. Psalm 6.10 tells us that God refines us as silver is refined. His fire cleanses and refines. If you know anything about the anatomy of a fire, you know there are three elements required for any fire to burn. One is heat. Heat must be present. Without heat, the fire will not burn. Throw some water on it, you will take away the heat, and the fire will eventually die. Two, you need oxygen. Just like humans, a fire must have oxygen to breathe. Just like us, you take away the oxygen, basically suffocating the fire, it will die. And then finally, you need fuel. You have to have fuel. Rather, it is wood, paper, gas, or something else. But if you take the fuel away from the heat and the oxygen, the fire will die. You must have all three to sustain an active fire. Without any one of these, heat, oxygen, fuel, the fire will die. It will not live on. It cannot. It must have all three. When I build that fire in that fire pit that I was talking about earlier, I put the fuel in the bottom of the pit. Being outside in the open, oxygen is already, uh, already present. And then I put the heat to it by lighting a match and putting it to, to the fuel. Within a few moments, that fire is blazing. And the grandkids are enjoying putting their marshmallows on a stick and holding them over the fire, roasting them for some, there's some mores. Sometimes they would stick the marshmallow directly in the fire, and guess what? That marshmallow would catch fire, of course. But after a while, that fire begins to die down, and I have to take the poker and stir coals and the fuel around a little. And if I do a good job within a few minutes, it is blazing again. Or maybe I have to put some more wood on that fire, some more fuel to keep that fire going. I can't let it go out while they're wanting to build it, uh, do their some more, make their some mores. When I read Leviticus 6, chapter, uh, chapter 6, verse 12, it got me thinking. In fact, in verse 13, God was even more fat about keeping the fire going when he said the fire must be kept burning continually. It must not go out. I wrote in the margins of my Bible here an example of our passion for God. Our fire must not go out. The fire that is within us, that fire when we surrender to God, became alive in us. It must not go out. But let's face it, there are days when we feel this fire has gone out 
or at least it is down to the embers just glowing. It is no longer a raging fire. It will not take much more for the fire to die out. Life in general will drain us if we're not careful. The struggles that we deal with every day, if we're not careful, will cause that fire to die. We'll not know what to do. We will not know how to act. We will not know where to turn. So what do we do? What will keep this fire within us raging, burning? Man, I want you to listen to this. I want you to hear this, guys, because this is vitally important for you if you are a leader of your home, if you want to be the man that God's created, if you want to be the man of God and have people to look look at you and say, that guy loves God. So just like the fire in the fire pit or the fireplace, we need three elements to keep that fire in our lives, our passion burning for God. We need to have three disciplines in our lives, active to keep that fire going. Just like those priests back in those days, how they stir up the ashes, remove the coal ashes and put in new fuel to keep that fire going. We've got to do the same thing in a lot of ways. So let me share you three elements we need to maintain in our lives to keep an active fire, to keep that passion in our lives. And just like the fire that must have those three elements present to maintain its continuous burning, we too must have three elements in our lives that we maintain so that fire in our lives does not go out. So what are these three elements? First one, you need to spend time in the word of God. This is like your fuel. And I don't mean when you go to church or, or a Bible study. I mean that you read the Word of God, the Bible, every day. Discipline yourself to read the Bible. I recommend reading at least five chapters a day. I, I, do, I recommend that because that's what I do. And it really doesn't take that long, guys. Depending on the length of the chapters, this will take you about 15, 30 minutes. But if you can't do five chapters, do at least one. You need to read the Bible. But if you haven't been reading the Bible, it seems daunting. There are several Bible reading plans out there you can use. Most Bibles have these uh, days, uh, these days have a, have a Bible reading plan within them. Dedicate a time in the day. Get up a half hour early. Turn off that TV a half hour earlier in the evenings. Use your lunch break. Seek a time to do it and do it. Nothing will cause your fire to go out quicker than neglecting the reading of the word, taking away the fuel of the fire. And when you read, don't just read it, but allow it to find a place in your heart and meditate on it. In Psalm 119, 11, the psalmist writes, I have treasured your word in my heart so that I may not sin against you. In Joshua 1, 8, the Lord told Joshua, this book of instruction must not depart from your mouth. You are to meditate on it day and night so that you may be carefully observe everything written in it. For then you will prosper and succeed in whatever you do. So get into the word of God. Spend time there. Second thing you need to do is spend time in prayer. This is kind of your heat light, so to speak. First Thessalonians chapter 5, 17 tells us to pray without ceasing. Always be in an attitude of prayer. But you also need to find your prayer closet. You need to spend time there. 
Often we read in the Gospels about Jesus stealing himself away to spend time in prayer, sometimes praying all night. You need to spend time praying and listening to God. If your attitude towards prayer begins to cool down, then your fire, your passion, will begin to become nothing more than embers barely hanging on. Then three, spend time with other believers. This is your oxygen. We cannot live this life alone. Jesus sent his disciples out in twos. The apostles had traveling companions in ministry. In Ecclesiastes chapter chapter 4, verse 9, it tells us that two are better than one because they have a good return on their labor. And verse 10 says, For if either of them falls, the one will lift up his companion. Then in verse 10, at the end of that verse, A warning is given, but pity the one who falls when there's not another to lift him up. All of us need a Barnabas in our lives, working together to worship, hanging out with each other, working together. We need others in our lives to keep us encouraged and to pray with us when we begin to feel suffocated with the struggles of life. A member of a certain church who previously had been attending services regularly stopped going. And after a few weeks, the pastor decided to visit him. It was kind of a chilly evening. The pastor found the man at home alone, set him before a blazing fire. Guessing the reason for the pastor's visit, the man welcomed him, led him to a big chair near the fireplace, and they waited. And the pastor made himself comfortable, but said nothing. And in the grave silence, he, he contemplated the play of the flames around the burning logs, And after some minutes, the pastor took the fire tongs, carefully picked up a brightly burning ember and placed it to one side of the hearth all alone. And then he sat back in his chair, still silent. The host watched all this in quiet fascination. As one of the long embers flame diminished, there was a momentary glow and then its fire was no more. Soon it was cold and dead as a door now. Not a word had been spoken since the initial greeting. And just before the pastor was ready to leave, he picked up the cold, dead ember and placed it back in the middle of the fire. Immediately, it began to glow once more with the light and the warmth of the burning coals around it. And as the pastor reached the door to leave, his host said, Thank you so much for your visit, and especially for the fiery sermon. I will be back in church next Sunday. If your fire is dying and it's just the slight glow of embers or has gone out completely, examine yourself like we are told to do in Lamentation chapter 3, verse 40. Probe your ways. You may find out that one of these three disciplines are missing from your life. If one is, put it back into the mix to keep the fire burning. Do something to activate the fire again. If you don't feel that, that burning, that desire in your heart, that maybe you have never surrendered your life to Jesus. A few weeks ago, I had the opportunity to sit down with a couple of Mormon missionaries, and during our conversation, I had them uh, ask them a couple of questions. You probably have heard these questions before because they've been around uh, for quite some some number of years. The first one was, I asked them, I said, have you come to the place in your life that you know for certain that when you die, you will go to heaven? Both were noncommittal, and even one said, I hope so. So I asked them the second question. 
Suppose you were to die today and God asked you, why should I let you into my heaven? What would you say? Well, one wasn't sure what to say. The other said he would tell God about all the works he did while on earth. I told them it is interesting that you are trying to get people to follow a faith so that you can have a relationship with God, but you cannot answer the basic questions that every Christ follower should be able to answer. You see, the Bible tells us that none of us is good, not even one. Romans chapter 3, verses 10 through 12 tells us there is no one righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. All have turned away. All alike have become worthless. There is no one who does what is good. Not even one. The Bible tells us that the intent of man's heart is evil. In Genesis chapter 8, verse 21, it tells us that a man's heart is evil from his youth. In the eyes of God, none of us is good. And we learn that from Romans 2, three, excuse me, Romans 3, 20, uh, 23, it says that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We cannot earn our way into heaven. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8 and 9 tells us that. For by grace are you saved through faith and not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. We cannot earn our way into heaven. We cannot uh, get there by anything that we may do. It's only by the grace of God and the work of Jesus Christ did, did on the cross. When you read about the sacrificial system in the Old Testament, we learn the animal sacrifice had to be without spot. Their bodies had to be without blemish. They had to be a perfect specimen for the sacrifice. So someone had to step in and be that perfect specimen for us. And in Romans chapter 5, verse 8, it tells us that God proved his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. For we see in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15, it tells us that the Bible says that Jesus is a high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was at all points tempted like we are, yet was without sin. Jesus was that perfect specimen. He was without spot or blemish. We need to understand that it is only through Jesus Christ we can be saved. The Bible says that Jesus stated in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. We need to understand the words in Romans 6, 23. This is the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus, our Lord. We cannot do it on our own. We cannot save ourselves no matter how hard we try. I don't care how much work, work uh, good work you have done in this church or in the community. It doesn't matter. Your works are not going to save you. It is only your faith in Jesus Christ. Romans chapter 10, verses 9 through 11 tells us, If you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For one believes with a heart resulting in righteousness, and one confesses with a mouth resulting in salvation. One of those Mormon missionaries told me that you must have works because it says in James 2, 26, that faith without works is dead. And though he quoted the scripture correctly, he was applying it incorrectly because what James was saying is not that you work for your faith, but that because of your faith, you work. 
the faith you have in Jesus and the assurance that Jesus has given you because of the Holy Spirit that comes into your life at the time of your true surrender to God will cause you to want to work. Jesus told the thief on the cross, today you will be with me in paradise. When could have the thief done any work? When could he done any work? Paul told the guard of the jail that he and Silas was a, was a prisoner. Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved. He didn't tell him to go do some work for the Lord and you will be saved. And once you surrender your life to Christ and accept him as Lord and Savior, that God places the Holy Spirit within your life. That fire that will burn continually within your life will compel you to work in your faith as God calls you. So today, as I close this episode, I want to I want to you to think about your life. I want you to ask yourself where do you stand with your relationship with God? Have you ever accepted him as your Lord and Savior? Or is your fire just dying and you need to do something about that? You need to do what I said on Lamentations 3, 4, is examine yourself, evaluate yourself now, and determine if you are missing one of these three elements required to keep the fire burning so you can repent and return to God. Are you in the word daily? Are you reading it regularly? Statistics tells us that if you read the word less than four times a week, your attitude towards worldly passions is no different than a person who has not given their life to Christ. So are you in the Bible like you should be? Do you have a prayer life? Not just one when you are in trouble and you need help, but one in which you regularly talk to the Father, praising Him and seeking Him in your calling and making your request known to Him. Do you pray without ceasing? Do you have a prayer life? Do you spend time with other believers? You may be saying, well, I'm in church. I go to church every Sunday. Yes. But are you there only because you didn't have something better to do? Or are you, uh, or do you understand and look forward to those times when you are with the believers? Do you have fellowship with other believers outside of Sunday mornings, worship times? doing life together, encouraging one another in your daily activities? Do you spend time with other believers? And then for those of you who have not accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord, I suspect since this podcast goes out in many channels, in many ways, and all over this country and all over this world, actually, I suspect there's at least one person who's listening who has not accepted Christ. And, how, and, and even if you're in church every Sunday, it's a possibility that there's at least one who hasn't accepted Jesus Christ. And how can I know that? Because that is part of my testimony. Today is your day. The Bible tells us now is the day of salvation. You are not promised your next breath. God is being merciful and gracious to you. But the time is coming when your life will be required of you and your time on this planet is over. And your chance to surrender your life to Christ will be over. That's why Paul in his letter to the Corinthians told them, now is the accepted time. Now is the day of salvation. Give your life to Christ today and let the Holy Spirit come within your life and let that fire begin to burn. And then don't let that fire die. 
Let me pray for you right now as you're listening. And I pray that maybe some of you will accept that Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior if you have not today. And I pray if the, any of the any of you out there has let some of the disciplines of the Christian life, of the of the follower of Christ has fallen away so where you're not in the word of God, you're not spending time in prayer, and you're not fellowshipping with other believers, that you will change that today. There'll be a difference. There'll be a transformation in your life today. Father, I thank you for the opportunity. I thank you for this technology, Lord, that I'm able to share my heart with people all over uh, the, the country, all over the world, Father, that can hear my voice through this podcast. And I pray, dear God, today will be a day that will be a changing in someone's life. I pray that you will help someone to be able to evaluate their life and see if they're missing an element to keep that fire burning, to keep that passion. Lord, I pray that they will get back into the word if they're not reading the word. Lord, I pray that they will pray with you on a regular basis, spend time with you on a regular basis, sharing their hearts with you. And I pray, dear God, that if they're not spending time with other believers, that they will find a church if they're not in a church, or they'll reconnect with their church and start fellowshipping with those believers, Father. Then, Lord, I want to especially pray for those who do not know you as their Lord and Savior. I pray today is the day of salvation for them. I pray, dear God, that the Holy Spirit is speaking into their lives and drawing them to them, and they will ask you to be their Lord and Savior in life. They will just surrender to you, and then they can find out where uh, find a church that they can get connected with. Dear God, I thank you for all that you're doing in their lives. And I praise you in Jesus' name. Thank you, dear God. Well, that's the episode for the day. That's the, that's the time today. And I appreciate you listening to me today. It's a little different than what we normally do as far as uh, interviewing people. And the uh, next episode, we will have, a, have somebody on that, will be episode, uh, that we will be speaking to. But I want you to, uh, I want you to be able to get into your word. I want you to be uh, praying regularly, and I want you to be in fellowship with other believers. That is so important, men. That is so important for you to be doing that. And that is the example that you need to be for your, uh, your wife and for your children as you be a leader of your home. Guys, this is, this is, this is pointed towards you. It really is. And, and I hope that you will spend that time in, in, with God that you need to spend time with. So God bless you, and I hope you will join me next time on Intentional Conversations with Mike Sandlin. Thank you for listening to Intentional Conversations with Mike Sandlin. Intentional Conversations is a production of Cape Fear Men, a men's ministry coalition. Cape Fear Men is a 501c3 organization operating under Ministry Alliance. To learn more about Cape Fear Men and how Cape Fear Men can help you reach the men of your church, or if you want to know more about what we discuss with these programs, go to capefearmen.net. If you'd like to speak to me directly, email me at mike.sandlin at capefearmen.net. But for now, I will leave you with this blessing. I pray God will give you a rock to stand on, a brook to drink from, and a tree to shade you. This is Mike Sandlin saying God bless, and I hope you will join me again on the next Intentional Conversation with Mike Sandlin.